Welcome to the Core Women Podcast. My name is Dr. Summer Watson. I'm a doctor of psychology, podcaster, published author, coach, producer of documentary empowerment films, and empowerment seminars. This podcast is a special place for the hearts and souls of women. It is a place where women share their journeys, strength, resiliency, strategy, and passions. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Janine Letford, who is a 2019 LA Lakers businesswoman, 2015 California Charter Teacher of the Year, national thought leader and creator of the concept of intercultural creativity. She is the founder and chief creator officer of Cafe Intercreative Strategies, LLC, and the author of From Debt to Destiny, Creating Financial Freedom from the Inside Out, and 16 Diamond Tools of Creative Thinking, How to Build Creative Thinkers Within Your Organization. We really have so much to talk about here, Janine. So let's just jump right into this. Thank you. So happy to be here. Well, I'm happy to have you here and thank you for joining me today, Janine. I'd like to start the conversation off by asking you about your personal background a bit, where you grew up, and some of those key learnings during those formative years for you. Sure. I hail from Los Angeles, California, uh, per way of San Bernardino, and just, you know, single parent home, but really an adventurous, intercreative home. And my mother just knew intuitively how to make sure we had the experiences that we needed to not only be interculturally competent, which means to interact with people from different backgrounds, different cultures, but also how to think creatively and how to take risks. So she didn't take a course in this, you know, she didn't read my book that's going to come out. She just knew these skills had to be within us as we grew up. And she also knew the importance of an arts background. And so, you know, I do separate the term creativity from artistry, but I also advocate the huge arts back background. And she just knew to put an instrument in our hand and put us on the stage and have us act at a really young age. And her birthday actually was yesterday. And I gave her a big shout out on Facebook saying, I am the woman I am today. Like Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am and all that I could be is because of my mother. And that is the truth. So just growing up with that background was huge. And now I'm in a position to give it to my students when I was teaching in the classroom and now to the world, you know, through our trainings and our, our books. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is really interesting that she didn't have any training, but she knew this intuitively. She knew that she wanted to give back to her children in a different way and kind of bring in that creativity and give them something to hold on to, to really be creative and get their vision out there and create their vision. So it sounds like she really was open to one, that creativity open to you kind of creating your own journey and really allowing that to develop, which is nice to hear. That, and it's so key. I don't think parents really understand that you're creating the culture of your home that your kids are going to jump off from. So because I had that at my home, wherever I went, I could identify if I was in a creative, supportive growth cult culture, or if I was in a restrictive, very, you know, just limiting thinking culture and just the power of the imagination. If she set a goal, she backtracked to how to reach that goal. And so 
intuitive to be, you know, that passes on that type of, of thinking yeah. passes on to um, the kids. So we traveled a lot within the continental U.S., but when I was able, I did my own traveling to Costa, Costa Rica and, and uh, Spain and, and then to Japan and Korea. So, you know, the kids really take it to the next level based on the culture that they have growing up in the home. Well, and I absolutely love that just because, you know, what she opened up for you was really this doorway for exploration on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about exploring in the home, but that's where it started, which I think I, what re I really keyed into here was she was open to that development. And a lot of times it's all about the modeling, right? So when folks model that and they're open to that development, their kids are more likely to see that and say, oh, you know what? I have the freedom to go and develop myself by exposing myself to all these different experiences. And what people don't understand as far as the creative research go and the brain re research is that open to experience, that exploration is the number one indicator of highly creative thinkers in all fields. Oh, yay. That is so marvelous. I love that factoid. It's so important because I had this girlfriend and her dad was in the service, he was an officer and she came from a very diverse background and her mom passed away at an early age, but, you know, spiritually he wanted his kids to have some kind of foundation. So he said, why don't you go check out this church and this church and this church and just there's, and kind of get your idea and your bearings about your own spirituality. And my girlfriend was like, it was so nice to have a dad like that coming from a very kind of stern background, military background, yet he was really open to his own kids discovering and being creative and understanding their own spirituality and their own foundation. And I was like, oh, that's so exciting to hear and, and to kind of understand and what that means to you and how she developed as a person, just allowing for that development. So let's go on to our next question, which kind of, you've kind of already answered, but who was your, your biggest role model? Well, of course, I would say my mother, but um, so you already got that answer, but I'm going to give you another one. I also want to say Maya Angelou. If so, so if I have to pick someone that I was, wasn't related to, you know, when she passed away, I necessarily was not sad. Of course, you know, you're doing your normal like a morning and I, I, I met her once I have a signed book from, from her, but of course I didn't, I don't have a close relationship with her, but I really admire her because I share that because I want people to understand that that is a life well lived. And that is the epitome of true intercultural creativity. She left everything on the floor. And the reason why I wasn't sad when she, she passed is because she did what she was supposed to do. She gave us every diamond and gem that was inside side of her. And she's really not gone. Because if you think about it, when you're alive, to be alive is to be able to transfer ideas, right? Do through any mechanism, through the written word, spoken word, through artistic ways, just, you know, there's transferring ideas is really what it's to be alive. If not, you're in a vegetative state, unable to communicate, right? But she still, you know, you can go pick up her book today. You can watch a video online from her, her today. So she, her spirit, her ideas are still here. So I really just admired her vulnerability to share her story especially at, at a time where people of her demographic were very socially silenced, correct? 
And I remember right. Oprah, you know, like um, just reading, I know why cage bird sings and just saying, wow, me too. We, me too. And it really empowers people to understand that other people may have experienced what they have experienced. So I really look up to her because I want to do the same thing. I want to share my struggles openly. I also want to leave different platforms of my ideas and different areas for people to grasp where they are so they can be empowered to live their best life and do the same thing and leave their gems. So you want it to be a ripple effect of us leaving gems for people to be able to grab and have their best experience. Oh, I love that because it is so important to leave that legacy of sorts. And that's, that's what she did. That's what Toni Morrison was like for me too. And she was an, another incredible human being where her book, The Bluest Eye was always something that I held onto. And I was just like, wow, it just stuck with me. And the, this, this whole idea of, she's not gone. Her voice still exists within us. Her voice still exists where we can speak her voice. You know, we can show her book, we can watch her video, which gets me to, and you kind of mentioned this, what would you like your legacy to be? That someone, and it actually has happened a few times, but someone put down my book and suddenly had an aha moment of, wait, I can do, do this. And one of the professors over at the local university, I, I did a, um, an, a webinar about my book from debt to destiny. And they sent my book to one of their granddaughters and they just, they didn't even think that she was going to even pick it up. But we're like, you know what, let's just give it to her. And she had some troubled issues in in the past and just a broken relationship with her, her, her dad, but she picked up the book and the grandparents told me she hasn't put it down, like read it like 13 times. And because the book talks about finances, but it also talks about you reevaluating your definition of success and your relationship with money and looking at yourself as worthy and not having materials and possessions solidify that, that worth. And it just really freed her. So she started a new relationship with her dad talking about investing. So now they have something to talk about and really just hearing the fact that practically they said, I think this book turned her whole life around, you know, because, you know, she was dropping out and dealing with with, with some friends who weren't really giving her the best, you know, advice, but Right. Yeah. And so, and then another person just, you know, emailed me and said, your book came to me at the right time of my, my life. So when we're creating, and I know you're a big creator, you create a lot of content and you've written books. We're just trying to get this out of us. Cause we feel that pull, like the, I just have to get this out. But then once it's done and it's out there, it's almost like a baby. Like it, it, lit, it has a life of its own. It has a will right. of its own and you don't have control about where it goes, who gives it to that person. And I do come from a spiritual background and, and, you know, I pray like, Lord, whoever has my book, just, you know, <laughs> just really make it come alive for them. I poured my soul into it. I shared very transparent, shared me under dealing with a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, crying on the carpet with a UCLA degree saying, where did I mess yeah. up? And that really frees people to say, okay, I'm not, once again, I'm not alone. If she can do it, I can do it. If she can reevaluate her worth and not attach it to the type of car she she drives, then let me reconsider that because we come through a culture. Culture is very strong. So when you're coming through a culture that has taught you to consume and and connect your value to to that, 
it takes time to really change that mindset. But once it's changed, once that catalyst is there, then the world is, is yours. And you really understand that you have control to create the future that you want. Yeah, absolutely. And I think once you give many times an outline of some strategy that people can apply, it makes all the difference because many times just working in the human services field for as many years as I've worked in it and being a, a doctor of psychology, sometimes talking with people, the hardest step is the first one. And that is even to step outside of their comfort zone of sorts where they don't even recognize like how they can even change that journey, how they can adapt to something new, how they can really align with their core values. And because when we're so deep in something, sometimes we don't know any difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it takes your book. It takes, you know, watching a video and that aha, where that young girl can't put down that book and she's read it like 11 times. It's that book that was like, ah, yes, that changed somebody's life. And that is awesome. I love hearing this. Since we're already here, let's talk about your books. Sure. Well, the first one is from Debt to Destiny, creating financial freedom from the inside out. And one of my taglines is your creative health affects your financial wealth. And, you know, for me, creativity is all about connecting the unconnected. And I don't think people really thought about that. Wait, my ability to think creatively, not necessarily artistically, but creatively, which is the process of problem finding and problem solving with relevance, value and novelty, the process of being mindful of what problems can I solve? Am I observant about my surroundings? Am I connecting with people to see what the needs are? Am I being sensitive to shifts, you know, culturally in the society within my own sphere? You know, am, am I connecting the unconnected and adapt, adapting to whatever is here? Am I being creative? And also, have I really done some self-examination? Have I really looked, I call them diamonds, at my diamond gifts and 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 really thought about what I'm good at and what I can offer the, the world. And so the book really looks about that, taking my story as the vehicle of understanding that I was financially illiterate, even though I was educationally um, educated, right? Systematically right. Ed educated. So I saw that, or I talk about that conundrum. And then um, I just take my story and very vulnerable of what I did and what my husband and I did to get out of $100,000 worth of debt, but also the self-discovery of, wait, I'm not stuck in this teacher pay scale. I can actually use my gifts to bring in extra income and use the power of the idea. And I don't really think that we understand the power of the idea and everything you see in your office, everything, this computer, this microphone, was in someone's imagination first. And they took it from this spiritual, you know, untouchable world into the physical world, this manifestation. And we all have the power to do that. The power of your idea is key. So I really communicate that in the book of saying, you're probably walking around with your financial abundance within you because your ideas, um, people will pay you money for your ideas, your products, your ideas, and your serve services. And then I talk about in investing. And then lastly, I talk about looking at, at money as a way to communicate your message and your purpose. Like I said before, mm -hmm. culture has really 
you know, brainwashes to look at money as a way to determine our, our worth, you know, our in income, okay. when I see money as a tool to get things done and to move positivity forward. So just, it's a great book about changing the way we dance and tango with finances. Oh, I love that. That is so important. I mean, our financial DNA and the way we express the DNA can be expressed mm-hmm is so unique. So what I'm talking about, and you, you probably know, I see you shaking your head is, you know, a lot of times we grow up watching how people perceive money, understand money, spend money, save money. So I call that financial DNA because that's in us now because of what has been modeled. And many times we align or we live our lives by what has been modeled or the values that we have adopted, so to speak. So that's in our person, in our being. And we're like, Ooh, okay. That's our financial DNA. But how can you change that expression when that expression is had not been working for you? That may not have been the best DNA to be carrying around with you, right? That's not mutating in the right way, so to speak. Right. So how do we change that expression of that DNA to say, ah, yes, money, my money is going to work for me. My money is going to be creative. My money is going to be put out into the world this way or that way. And so I think a book like yours, giving that strategy is not solely just about money. It's about your being, how you want to walk your journey. What does that look like? You know, and that's why going back to that young girl who had that aha moment, she was probably like, ah, this resonates with me. I understand this. And I love when people write books where it's like they have these examples that are applicable, like your own, where you had a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt from school. And you were able to say, this was my journey too. And I've been there. I've been there. I understand. Let's change that expression. Let's make this money do something different in the world and for others and for myself as well. So (laughs) I I love that. Now you also have the 16 diamond tools of creative thinking, correct? Yes. Yes. Right now that's in mini book form. And that was just really to get people to jar them awake about what creative thinking really is and to see it in different facets. So starts with mind mindset. Once again, as you, you know, with your background in your education, mindset is everything, but then it goes into observation and how we don't really take time to observe. We may recognize things, but we don't really look anymore or listen or smell or taste and take in our environment or, or observe our, our, ourself. And then it goes into being curious and thinking metaphorically more and connecting the unconnected and connecting with people from different backgrounds. So 16 tools that we need to reawaken as we are coming out of this pandemic, you know, hopefully, and we're coming into this next era of work and what does work look like? Gone is the memorization. You know, can you get a perfect score on the SAT and get a 4.0? Awesome. Great for the past decade or, you know, century. Not going to fly today. Um, We need more. We need to see how do you look at things? What is your cognitive diversity? Can you create from nothing, you know, can you, do you have right, a MacGyver yeah. type of mind where you have a, you know, a <laughs> popsicle stick and a bubblegum wrapper, a wrapper and a tire and make something of value? Can you do, do this? Those are the type of thinkers that we will be looking for and need. So that just gives people 
an idea of what cognitive skills, which means it's a skill, which means it can be developed, that will need to re-strengthen. We all had it when we were two and three, but because of culture or, you know, home culture or parents just not even knowing that we were, you know, squashing it. Sometimes I have to catch myself with my three-year-old. Like Janine, stand back. He's actually being curious to give him him some time. And so parents and teachers and caretakers, we need to reevaluate what we're doing for ourselves and for the next generation. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you talk about here in relation to those standardized tests, those tools. And I believe, this is just my belief, that there's a, there's a, a purpose for those qualitative and quantitative data, right? And that the big numbers tell a story, but the stories, the qualitative, the stories, the phenomenological, you know, the lived experiences also tell a story. And we're rich with all these combined facets. Yeah, all this information, right? So with all that, we get a bit better picture because we need the numbers and we need the creativity. We need that to understand a whole picture. It's kind of like COVID. If you look at COVID right now, right? So we need the numbers, right? We need to know the numbers of people who are getting sick. We need to know the numbers and those numbers are valid. But we also need to know the stories. When you go into a doctor's office, they usually ask, so how are you feeling? Tell me about what that is. What does it feel like? You know, what are your symptoms? Why? Because the story is so important. And with that, talking about your 16 diamond tools of creative thinking comes the story. Yes, yes. And when you're able to tell your story, you're able to get out like, oh my gosh, okay. Yes, I have these things inside of me that I can offer to the world that I can put into practice. Yes, very, very true. And we just also need to redefine what talent looks like and what it means to be successful. So as we redefine the story, the, the narrative, the definitions are key too. You know, um, yeah. so how do the numbers work with the story and how do we redefine what intelligence, you know, really look like? So mm-hmm. we have an interesting decade of solidifying these new terms. <laughs> yeah, I, I right. And even still, I think they're ever changing as well. And we've got to change with, you know, the times and how, and what that looks like. I mean, we used to have like a dictionary, right? And the the dictionary, you'd be like, oh yeah, we all have that standardized dictionary wrote, written by Macmillan or whatever. Right. And now there's, there's the urban dictionary. There's this, why? Because of the times, because of the of the systems we use, right? Because of the technology, we're able to see that things are changing. And just like these tools, we will define through generations and through time and what works effectively. So let's go back and let's talk about this key concept of creation and what it is to be an intercreative. I love that term. So you've touched on it a bit. Sure. Well, the the big term is intercultural creativity. That is the the huge pivot that I'm I'm looking to cause the world to make. And it, it is a global goal because not only are we called to think more creatively and to highlight these gifts within everyone, And that's a big point. It's not just a C-suite that we're looking to for ideas. It's everyone at every level deserves 
a, a voice and deserves to be a contributor to their organization, their community, whatever sphere that they're in, but the intercultural part, because it is very difficult to live your true creative self if you're in a non-inclusive, toxic environment. <laughs> so, you know, in the past year or two, especially with some um, social huge shifts going on, we had a big reawakening of the, of the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion, even though we should have been constantly having conversation and trying to move in the right direct direction, it got rewoken in 2020. But what I'm telling folks is we need to keep working on that because the goal is for people to be able to be creative where they are and with who they're around. And in order to do that, you need intercultural competence. And so a lot of people don't understand what that term is. And it just means your ability to be aware of your own cultural experience and others and have the ability to shift perspectives and adapt with various cultures and with people with various backgrounds. So when I say cultures, I don't just mean ethnic cultures, but you know, there's so many facets of the diamond of my diversity diamond, meaning, you know, your gender, of course, your ethnicity, your levels of education, and just different spheres that you experience the world through. Those really, you know, determine what you See and how you're engaging with one another. So to be interculturally creative means you have the creative thinking skills, you're working on that observation, but you also have the intercultural skills because they're the same set of skills, mindset, observation, having an open mind to open experiences, being culturally curious, being able to perspective shift, being able to adapt and being a bridge, making those connections where other people aren't making those connections. They're the same set of skills in two different areas that can be combined to get us ready for this next era. Oh, Rob. Oh, this is such an important, not just a term, but an actionable something, you know, where it can be applied. And so more people need to hear about this because many times, Janine, I don't know if you've, you know, I'm going to go deep here. Many times if you see kids or people, they're functioning in their zone. They're functioning in that zone because they don't know any differently many times. And they don't even know to think to step out of that zone. So how do you help with that mind shift when you're in this like tunnel with these people and you're like, okay, let's do this. Come on now. You know, and, and maybe they're not even ready for that because they don't understand that's their norm. And that may feel what they think might feel comfortable because change is uncomfortable. And yet here they are and they haven't even recognized that maybe, maybe there's other things out there. Well, I'm a developmentalist. So because I started my career with young children, you can really see young children going through developmental milestones. And I say, you know, well, why don't adults have milestones too? Why do we just stop at like two and four and five? You know, if a child doesn't hit a significant milestone at two, you, you go get, get help and you go see um, what can be done. And so with intercultural competence, it's the same thing. It's a developmental process. And so there might be people who, because of their upbringing, and a lot of this is from that zero to 12 formation years. Yes. If you had a mother like mine, who was very particular in growing the intercultural 
skills. So they, you know, she puts you in new situations. She puts you around a lot of people who did not have the same lived experience as you. She taught you how to communicate. She taught you how to be aware of yourself and of others. Empathy is key. And that's why I loved teaching music because music teaches you empathy. Dance teaches you to be aware of the people who you're interacting with during that time. But with intercultural competence, there's actually a continuum where you can see where you are developmentally. It's called the IDI, the Intercultural Development Inventory. And it's a test that I'm administered to, to give. And there's several um, administrators out out there in the world, but it shows you if you're in a monocultural mindset or, or a mm-hmm. transformational cult- cultural mindset or like a, a trans transition, or if you're in, in an intercultural global mi- mindset. And so you can see where you are along the continuum. And after you take the assess- assessment, it gives you that background information. And then I give you a debrief. And it also gives you a game plan on things you could do to really move along the continuum closer to an intercultural mindset of either awareness or an adaptation. Because as you saw, we're now on a global field, right? Jobs have opened up in the global mar- market. If you can do your job from home, so can some someone else. And so that is is now the concern that we're going to have, have to have. Can you create with people from different lived backgrounds? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you've given us some diamond gifts here (laughs) because they really are. With that said, what are a couple of your, I mean, I, I recognize them, but what are a couple, would you say your diamond gifts? Well, I have the seven gems of intercultural creativity. So that's a, a big thing. But I also want to give people the diamond gift of reclaiming that inner child of curiosity and creativity. Like I mentioned before, a lot of these innate tools we were born with. And people think that they're not allowed to imagine anymore, that they're not allowed to dream and they're not allowed to just have fun and create and compose songs randomly. I, like I said, I have a three-year-old and he's making up songs every five minutes. And I want to challenge the adults. When did you stop composing? You know, when, when did you stop imagining and when did you stop dreaming and how do we get that back? Because we're going to need it for the future. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I think that unfortunately, sometimes we adopt these, these mindsets and we adopt this thinking process that it's just work, 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 work. And yet creativity is a huge part of work today and being able to think outside of this is going to sound cliche, but being able to think outside of that given box, it's like, or that adopted box, it's like the box can look differently. We can open the lid to that box and it'll open so many more doors, right? So I'll, I'll jump in really quick with the brain sure. research. I'm a big brain nerd. And if anyone's a brain yes. nerd, go get The Leader's Brain by Dr. Michael Platt. We'll actually be going um, uh, live so people can check out my feed to see. Um, I don't know when this will be posted, but as we grow in our knowledge of what's going on in the brain, we get to grow in our knowledge about how to really harness our creativity. And one thing that he mentions is you have a focus network and an innovation network. The focus mm-hmm. network is when you're doing your emails or you're focused on whatever you're doing. The innovation network is when you're daydreaming. And so like when my son would be just daydreaming, I would be saying, you know, Sean, Sean, you know, come, come back to me. 
Yeah. I don't do that anymore because he is daydreaming. He is thinking he is creating in his mind. So I just watch right. him and say, I wonder what he's thinking about. I wonder where he is because he's probably creating something that the world needs. And so it's cute when a three-year-old th- does it, but if a 30-year-old does it at the cubicle, we get mad and we think that they're just goofing off. Now, because of neuroscience, we understand the creative work is happening at that time. So I want to tell people, if people are off daydreaming, especially children, let them be because they're in their innovation network. Their brain is moving ideas around. They're just not focusing on you because they're focusing inside. So there's a little tidbit. Go get the book. It's amazing. The Leader's Brain by Dr. Michael Platt. Blew my mind. Well, I think that's really interesting too. And as a psychologist, I would I would add to that sometimes daydreaming can be a dissociative state too. And so it's a disconnection just be as it is a daydream is like a disconnection. So where are you going with that disconnection in relation to, is it being creative or are you disconnecting because of trauma? So it's, there's, there's a lot of ways we can go with this. So it's really very interesting. And that's where, you know, my mind goes is where the different areas of, of daydreaming are we going? So I think it would be a really interesting book to read because I'd like to read his perspective on that. So we have answered and gone through so many things here today. We're going to get to my last question. And my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom today, Janine, what would those be? Well, one of our tools is metaphorical thinking, and it's a fourth grade standard here in California, but I want to just urge people to get back into their metaphorical mind. And my metaphor for them is that you are a diamond. You are multifaceted. You are beautiful. You're meant to take in the light and to shine beautiful colors through all of the facets. And the facets are a metaphor for just all of your cultural lenses, you know, just different ways you see them world, your different experiences, and also your different demographics. It takes energy to hide that, you know, and to not be you. Let's reroute that energy to use it and be creative in whatever situation sphere you see yourself in. So that is my gem. You are a diamond. Shine bright. Thank you, Janine, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's a fun time. Absolutely. If you'd like to connect with Janine Letford, You can follow her on LinkedIn, Twitter, and IG at Janine Letford or Facebook at Janine Speaks. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about Core Women in your social media posts, please hashtag Core Women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about Core Women, and please stay tuned for continued growth of the Core Women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 